I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans from across the country and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast. Uh, basically, as, as my buddy Boston, you know him as Austin Ward. Uh, and I uh, record this podcast. It's a couple of days before National Signing Day, but we're going to, you know, which is pretty funny because really Ohio State's only signing one dial, <laughs> one person on signing day, right? Uh, right, Boston? Yeah, it's uh, as you said the last couple of weeks on, on this show, the real signing day was in December. Yeah, but the bottom line, the, the, as the old saying goes, this this class, the, the book on this class has all but been written as far as like who's coming in, you know, the preface. Yep. And uh, and it's going to be interesting as as Boston, you know, him as Austin and I kind of shuffle through several of these fellas and who we think might make an immediate impact and who they might be waiting on. But but what really stands out about this class, which, like I said, is going to be topped by, uh, you know, uh, one of its one of its higher ranked uh, components in Cameron Martinez, mm-hmm. uh, the do everything player from Muskegon, Michigan, who was probably a better offensive player in high school, but it's probably going to be used on the defensive side in the secondary. Maybe, you know, he might actually turn that hybrid back into a, that hybrid uh, position into a real thing right. uh, as this as as his career goes on. We'll see how it goes. But the bottom line is uh, what you ought to put next to him is Cameron Martinez, colon, football player, because that's what <laughs> he is, right? Yeah, and, and I actually had a couple people last week when Berm – wrote the story and, and we were breaking it down and I wrote about what position he was most needed at. And I, it was crazy to me. You know, I, I know that sometimes it's just a minority reaction, but this guy, people were like, Oh, he's not even in the top 300. Like, why is this such a big deal? He's not going to help for a while. And it's like Ryan, Day, when Ryan Day found this guy, he absolutely fell in love with, uh, his personality, his intelligence. And then, uh, uh, not to mention incredible athleticism that can do whatever. I mean, this is a guy who, as I said last week on your show, his coach told me he would have been the best defensive player on their team, but they needed him to play quarterback last year and then had nine minutes of just touchdowns on the highlight reel and took him to the brink of a state championship. He can play. Yeah. He can play. Uh, he can't play on the offensive line, uh, obviously. And you probably don't want to put him on the defensive line, but I think you could put him anywhere else on the field, running back, if you wanted to stay at quarterback. Uh, you know, Northwestern uh, basically offered him an opportunity to do that if he really wanted to. Safety, corner, linebacker, depending on how he develops. I mean, this guy is incredibly valuable, and you know as well as anybody, Tim, that when you look at what Ohio State has prized on the recruiting trail the last couple of years, it's positional yeah. versatility. And this guy yes. has it more than anyone else – that you could have in this class. So yeah, um, people got to him a little bit late and sometimes recruiting analysts aren't in a big hurry to admit they might've missed the boat or they were late to the party. He's still a yeah. four star athlete and he's the two time Mr. Michigan football. I don't, I don't know how many times that's been done, but it's pretty rare and that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I mean, uh, you know, if I had, if we were voting on each of those measures you just proposed, I would say, uh, 
yay, as in, uh, <laughs> yeah, or a, as in, I, I agree with everything you just said. And Motion passes. The bottom, yeah. And then, you know, the bottom line is we all know about high school coaches. Uh, I mean, you use, you know, you're coaching your team. You're not coaching, <laughs> you're not coaching players based on what they're going to be doing three years from now in college. I mean, you're trying to win games for, for your team. And, and that's where a lot of people get lost. I think in the shuffle, in the, uh, uh, whatever you want to call it, the analysis aspect of things, because everything is so specialized anymore these days. But there are still these great standout players like Darren Lee did for New Albany way back when. Oh, yeah. You know, or or uh, Joshua Perry did, uh, who I had on my show last week. Joshua Perry did way back when for his high school, Olin Tangy. I mean, there are guys who can uplift the whole team by just playing them everywhere <laughs> and uh, and uh, sicking them uh, on people like they did with Joe. With uh, Sam Hubbard down in uh, down in Cincinnati, yeah. uh, what was that, uh, Mueller yeah. way back when. So, uh, yeah, don't judge the book by its by its high school cover. Judge it by kind of what Ohio State projects. And, you know, it, there's no doubt about it when uh, when Kerry Combs got back in the swing of things and made his visit to Muskegon, uh, he made an impact. But also this kid made an impact on him. And uh, so – you know, you can see where this is going. And I don't think it's any, you know, it's no mystery. When we were talking about uh, the wait for Kerry Combs to be announced as the defensive coordinator, you know, Ohio State wanted him. I mean, a Super Bowl would have been a great recruiting uh, tool um, if he could go out and show that ring. And But it would have taken longer for Cam Martinez. And so there was certainly part of Ohio State wishing that Combs and the Titans would, you know, come up short because they wanted him to go to Muskegon and see <laughs> Cam Martinez. Like that was a huge deal, and it was what it was two days after the uh, announcement. That Monday afternoon, yeah. he needed Tuesday to you know get certified, and then Wednesday he's in Michigan. I mean, it's no, it's no coincidence that that's how that played out. Yeah, I don't Excuse know if he me. jumped on his couch. I don't know if he jumped up on his couch <laughs> or not, but uh, you know that that that'll that'll be part of that'll be part of folklore down the road, like it was with Sean Wade and his family. But uh, but I digress. Well, let's get right to it, Austin. Uh, Excuse me, Boston Ward. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you who I expect. I mean, we are, we've talked ad nauseum pretty much about the four wide receivers they got in this class that are just outstanding, you know. Yeah. And not the least of whom is is Julian Fleming and you know G G Scott, right on down the road there. Uh, but you know, I'm I'm just curious on who you think might rise and become like maybe a surprising impact player of the next couple of seasons. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there are guys that just catch my, you know, catch my eye right out of the bat. I mean, uh, legend Cavazos, you know, who was part of the class and backed out and then re re-stepped in. I mean, I think that guy's got a big upside. I mean, there, uh-huh. you know, that's really, that's really, that's like saying the sun is hot, you know? Um, <laughs> uh, but I mean, that's that's for example a guy that just jumps out at me that could make an immediate impact. Who's somebody on your brain that uh, that uh, you know you you think could be right there? We we know both of these quarterbacks they brought in, C.J. Stroud and Jack Miller. One of them is going to be at least third string next year. So yeah, so you know we all know we all know how things kind of go in the quarterback category. Sometimes third string could be first string and a couple of. Uh, a couple of calamity situations, but you know, past those two guys, who do you, who do you think uh, could really step up in the next uh, in the next six months? Well, that, it's interesting that you bring up the quarterbacks because, to me, I don't think there's anything that's more fascinating. You wrote about this uh, two weeks ago than C.J. Stroud and Jack Miller coming in and trying to compete right now. Because I don't look at it as just 
hey, third string. And I know you said that was at a minimum, but they they both arrive in January. So they're going to have eight months, nine months to fully acclimate and learn the offense. And both of them are, you know, if you're going off the recruiting rankings, both of them are more touted quarterbacks than Gunnar Hoke was when he came out. And, and, yeah. and Gunnar Hoke, uh, you know, there's no other way to say it. He struggled last year. We all had the expectation when that he, when he transferred from Kentucky that he would be the backup quarterback and he couldn't beat out Chris Chuganoff. Now, part of that is, you know, maybe you give Chug the, the nod because of the experience. He knew the playbook and uh, this, that, and the other. But I don't – none of us who had ever seen Chuganoff before really thought – I guess maybe you were, pretty, were higher on him than I was, but I didn't think there was any way that Gunnar Hoke didn't come in and be the backup. So what does that mean for spring ball? Well, C.J. Stroud and Jack Miller have a legitimate shot to actually be the backup quarterback for this team. And then if you're that, well, you're right in line there uh, to replace Justin Fields when he moves on. So I, I really am interested in those quarterbacks because, you know, if something happens, if that, you know, another knee, we saw what happened at the end of the Penn State game, those guys could be on the field and really important for Ohio State in a hurry. So um, I think yeah. they're more important than many really understand at this point because of the impact they could have. Uh, I, I know that wasn't really the direction that you uh, maybe wanted me to go to kick it off, but I, I – the next couple months with those guys are really, really important. Yeah, I agree 155%, and that's about as much as you can agree. I mean, it's <laughs> hyperbole when you think about it. But, uh, you know, the other – another guy that, you know, we that we've talked about a little bit is that I'm really high on from the standpoint of watching his video and then knowing where he played mm-hmm. is Court Williams. Oh, yeah. You know, the kid from Bosco Prep out there, St. John Bosco Prep out there in Bellflower – California, same same school, I think, that produced Wyatt Davis. But right. uh, yep. I mean, uh, I, I, I'm he just kind of exudes a guy who, like we were talking about a while ago, by Cameron Martinez, is a football player. Man, I mean, he gets after it. I mean, he's he's quick. It reminds me a little bit of the video I watched of Justin Hilliard way back when. It would just there'd all of a sudden be a flash onto the screen, and it's Justin Hilliard like lightning, you know, yeah. arriving at the point of attack and. Um, I don't know if you agree with me on him or not, but I mean, do you think he has the possibility of seeing seeing the field? I I loved getting to know Court Williams when uh, Berm and I went out with Will in November to do some Bermanologies, and we'd you know talk to C.J. Stroud and Clark Phillips at that time. Uh, yeah, but you know we watched Court Williams and and St. John Bosco play that Friday night, and he only needed it was the second snap defensive snap of the game. Court Williams comes, so sort of blitzes like looks like Sean Wade. Uh, you know, coming off uh, that famed play, yeah. but, uh, you know, what obviously didn't end in a targeting, but he makes a sack on the second play of the game. And I just kind of look over it at Berm and I'm like, wow, because this kid is on a different level. And it's, it wasn't the greatest opposition that they're going to play, but that that's some good football there in Southern California. And I also was impressed just walking around the, the afternoon we spent there, the the facilities they have, that's a real powerhouse high school program. And you've seen this now with St. Thomas yeah. Aquinas in Florida and, uh, you know, Lake Travis in Austin. Like, Ohio State is really attracted to these – these programs obviously have good players, but they also get them ready for the competition and ready for the transition to college. And so Court Williams, I think, was ready to make that leap uh, when he came in last month. He was expecting everything that was going to be thrown at him from the workouts to – with Mickey Murati to go into class. He's a bright guy. I really enjoyed getting to know him. And I I would have brought him up more in that first part, but 
I don't know that linebacker, and maybe if that bullet uh, transpires the way we thought it did last year, he could jump in there. I, I, linebacker is a really loaded group, and you, the other name you mentioned there, Justin Hilliard. I mean, you got to right now they're trying to find a way to keep him on the field uh, at Ohio State this spring because there are so many guys coming back. You're only losing Malik Harrison, and you got Baron Browning, Pete Warner, and Tuff Borland all with experience. Uh, you got Taraja Mitchell just chomping at the bit to get on the field. Kayvon Pope, yeah. you know, we heard all about him in training camp with the interceptions and made a couple in the season. Dallas Gant, uh, you know, he's had a couple of years to develop and could be in, an, in that outside role as well. He's, a, he's an a- athlete who's made a couple big-time plays on special teams. So, you know, Court Williams, I think, is going to have an opportunity to wait and develop, and that'll be good for him. But if you're talking about somebody I see having an impact two, three years down the road, I would absolutely put Court Williams near the top of the list for this class. Yeah, I want to tell you something. A fellow that I've become uh, enamored of, in you know, in the last in the last month or so, because this guy was sort of a late bloomer. I think in a lot of people's eyes, or at least in the recruiting experts' eyes. But uh, and then uh, I'm thinking about his brother and the progress he made at Ohio State. You know where I'm going with this yeah. is Ty Hamilton, yeah, absolutely, from Central. I mean, you know, he's he's a different. He's a different look from his brother, you know, from from a size standpoint. Yeah. Uh, what, 6'3", 250, listen, you know, a defensive end. He might grow into a defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you you turn on the, you know, like I said, I like to watch video because video kind of – and you got to – you have to t- keep in mind, you know, the video and who they're going against, yeah. you know, and, and rate the competition. But as they got into the state playoffs and stuff, this guy, he played on another level. And that's against better competition. That's what I was talking about about Court Williams. I mean, <clears throat> they played upper level competition. You know, uh, Cavazos. They, that's the same way with him. And I'm just looking at the Ty Hamilton. I think he could be a. I don't know if diamond in the rough is the right term. More like a, a diamond. He just needs a little bit of polish. What, what's your What's your take on him? I was, you know, last week. Uh, Berm had uh, a day off. He needed a little bit of help for writing his dotting the eyes recruiting notebook. And I said, anything you need, I'll help out. Uh, I, I can't give anywhere near the insight that he can. I wasn't even going to try. So I looked at what the makeup of the 2021 roster would be to see where the recruiting needs uh, were going to be for Ohio State. This is a long-winded way of saying that there is a a big-time need for guys at, at defensive tackle. And Ty Hamilton might project a little bit more, or, or right now would be a defensive end. But I think both he and Darion Henry – might find a clearer path to playing time and have a more uh, impactful start to their careers if they embrace that three-tech move, which Larry Johnson, when he talks about his defensive line in the Rushman and where you can have really a big-time impact that people don't think, is if you have pass-rushing yeah. skills and you can move inside and get one-on-one matchups against guards, well, look what Draymond Jones did. He built an entire uh, you know career out of that a couple years ago and, and got drafted and is making money in the NFL level. And we've seen that. Uh, time after time, uh, Adolphus Washington having success inside in that three tech position. Uh, you know the, the guys who did that last year. I, I think that it's it's really a spot where if you if you can't really be a Chase Young, uh, Tyreek Smith defensive end, take a take a look. Jay Sean Cornell came around to that thinking last year, and he's probably going to turn that into an NFL career. There's a lot of money to be made, some stacks to be made that you wouldn't think. Uh, and chances to get in the backfield with really advantageous matchups. So I would say, you know, with everything they lost with with Landers, uh, 
uh, you know, Ty's big brother Devon and Deshaun Cornell, and then what you're looking at next year with Haskell Garrett's going to be gone. I think there's a really good chance if Tommy Togiai has the season that that I project for him, he could move on to the NFL level. Antoine Jackson will be gone. Their defensive tackles, three tech or nose, Ohio State has got to get some production there from new guys. And I would say, you know, the sooner that they can maybe get to that point, whether it's Darion Henry or Ty Hamilton maybe embracing a three-tech, the better off they'll be because those guys might have a, a, a clear path to really uh, helping Ohio State in a hurry. Yeah, I agree 100%. You know, it's, uh, um, you know, like the Jacoby Cowan kid mm-hmm. from uh, from Charlotte. Uh, there's another guy that played against pretty good competition, you know, and, uh, and you know, you never – like I said, you never know how they're going to pan out, but he's highly rated, right. you know, compared compared to some of the other guys, even in the Ohio State class. And uh, and I like you know, you, like you're pointing out, there's a there's a there's an uh, sometimes it's uh, opportunity, you know, uh, coupling with timing. And 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 the bottom line is there is some opportunity for some guys to make maybe some immediate impact in the uh, two deep or at least a three deep roster there. And we know Larry Johnson is not averse to playing three guys at every position on that defensive front, at least early in the season, yeah. just to see what's up, you know? So I'm, I'm as curious as you are to see how those guys develop. You know, the thing is, uh, we, I wanted to touch on with you, you know, when we were when we were talking with uh, Mickey Marotti a week ago, uh, great, uh, a great opportunity there to speak oh, yeah. with him mm-hmm. about things. But he made an interesting, curious comment about the weight training program that, you know, especially players from Texas enjoy. And then he threw in Ohio there at the end because, you know, I don't think he wanted to offend Ohio people. But it is interesting. It is interesting that he brought that up the way he did, didn't it? I mean, you know, when you look at like uh, Jackson Smith-Nigba, you know, one of the one of the great uh, four receivers in this recruiting class, uh, come, you know, has uh, is, is, is benefited from that. He's from, from Rockwall, you know, Texas. And by the way, but from truth from uh, – Truth in, uh, in broadcasting, I'm sitting in Texas, in Lufkin, Texas right now because I had to come back down here. My mom is dealing with another challenge, and um, so I'm coming live from Texas, so to speak. But uh, it is curious uh, how he brought that up with, with some of these players coming in uh, who just are sort of ahead of the game in terms of what it takes uh, in the weight training. I think that that's, you know, that goes into it as well with what we were talking about with you know, Court Williams and Wyatt Davis before him at St. John Bosco or, you know, yeah. when the Bosa's came from St. Thomas Aquinas or the, these kids that go to the IMG Academy and, and have the fancy weight training and, uh, you know, some nutrition programs to help them get started. I think that's why you find that Ohio State or Clemson, Alabama, LSU, the Georgia, the big-time schools are looking at these places first and foremost. Obviously, you can you want to recruit your, your area. Ohio – Ohio State wants to lock down the Buckeye State, and they're doing that, um, you know, both in 2020 and the 2021 class that's in progress. You know, you you focus on your area, and then you're you're cherry picking. And if you know you have two kids that are maybe similar, uh, you know, star rating, and and one is doing it in Denver, Colorado, and one is doing it for St. John Bosco. Well, which one should you put your your time and investment on? Well, you're probably right. You're probably going to look at these schools where you know what the weight training is like. You know that they've played good competition. You know that they're going to not be intimidated by what Mickey Marotti is going to throw at them. And just to, you know, when you're comparing these guys in Texas and the amount of football that they get to play, the amount of development they have, the, the coaching where you know as as well as anybody from what you've seen down there growing up, Tim, that 
they're going to pay they're going to pay for their coaches and that's one of the most important positions in their high school is the football coach so you're getting big time uh, people to handle that for you and developing these young people to get them ready for the next step and that's that's a big deal for Ohio State because there's no they don't really have a lot of time for a learning curve they want yeah. they don't want uh, there's been this big talk about you know they don't really want fifth year seniors around and even though there've been a lot of valuable ones for Ohio State they're not planning on anyone they recruit being a fifth year senior that's just not the plan so you need people that are really ready in a hurry and it's more of an exception when you see like he talked about Paris Johnson that's an that's an Ohio strength training program but that's going to be way different than what Trey LaRue had in high school just to pull another right. name out of a hat so those guys right. are, those guys are going to be on different paths and different tracks so you know sometimes you you look at that and you you're not going to get everyone from St. Thomas Aquinas or, or St. John Bosco or these other schools that everyone knows, but you know, generally that's where you're going to want to to fall and make your. If you make mistakes, you're going to live with it. If it comes from one of those schools where you trust it. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, you know, like Ryan Watts, you know, he's another kid in this class for the safety from uh, Little Elm, Little Elm, Texas, you know, and it's amazing, uh, uh, Boston, when you, if you ever visit Texas, I mean, and I'm not, you know, I grew up here. I spent 11 years here. I spent 11 years in Alabama, 11 years in Texas, and mm-hmm. and the uh, balance, as I call it, 43 in Ohio. But, of course, I've visited back here many times, and yeah. it's amazing how many – I mean, Lufkin, my old high school, uh, had an indoor practice facility 20, 25 years ago. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, and uh, it's amazing how even small towns, by smallish, I mean, you know, like 3A, 4A, some of these uh, – some of these towns around have indoor facilities because they have to, to kind of keep up with the Joneses, you know, next door. And uh, like Elijah Gardner, you know, Kemp, Texas, but Kemp, Texas has a really nice football program and, and nice facilities. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's halfway between, you know, nowhere and Dallas, if you follow my drift, Mm -hmm. but it's, but it's, it's amazing what they put into it. You know, in Ohio high schools do too, but Ohio high schools don't have spring football, for example, like they do in Texas, where you can come down and also evaluate, like they do in Florida. They do in most most of the southern states, and uh, that also helps them get a little bit of a head start. But you know, I don't get go too crazy on that because <laughs> clearly it, it's interesting. Well, I think it's important. You know, like I think it's yeah, important but you like you do yeah, but you like you drew the difference between like a trailer Roo and a Paris Johnson. I mean, that's that's in the state of Ohio, you know, and yeah. and trailer Roo, man, when you look at his measurables you know he's what six six eight six nine three fifty three three sixty yeah that's a big guy you know but uh really what kind of shape is he in and what you know he may just be a raw bone nasty munoz type and come in and start playing you know it's but uh but that's the other that's the other part that you have to if you're ryan day or mark pantoni and you're looking at this you have to you know really dive in and say it's probably going to take trey larue a little bit of time just like last year like okay, we got room for one more offensive lineman. It can probably be a project. Let's throw our weight behind Dewan Jones. You know, pun intended. There, 
You know, you can, yeah. you can, they don't all have to be five-star Paris Johnsons who went through Correct. this program. Like, you know, if you see something that you like, and I, 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 I feel like we're picking on Trey LaRue and I don't mean it that way, but it's, no. the, it's the easiest, you know, comparison between he and Paris Johnson or Luke Whipler with the program, uh, you know, that he was in there in New Jersey. Like that, it's just different. These, some of these guys, yeah. you know, the four and five stars, you're counting on them either being being in the two deep as soon as they show up or potentially being a starter in year two, year three at the latest. Uh, Nicholas yeah. Petit, Friere, sort of being that uh, poster boy going into his spring here and the right tackle job. But, you know, that's you, you when you're doing this math, it's not as simple as, hey, we're going to take nothing but uh, four and five star guys because that's impossible. You can't do that. So you have yeah. to you have to you really have to dive into well, what do you want? How many projects can we take on? And do we think that Trey LaRue or Dewan Jones can take to our program if, if, you know, if they'd had this two years ago when they were in high school, maybe they'd look really different, but now they're going to have that opportunity with Mickey Mirati and Greg Studrawa and you get to grow from there, but you yeah. know, you're, you're not going to have room. That's a hundred percent guys that are going to play from day one. That's just not, not realistic. Right. When you look at a Trey LaRue though, what you, what you look at, I mean, they're, you know, I mean, obviously there's going to be a little bit of work and like you said, we're not picking on him. I mean, the guy, and I definitely would pick on if he was standing in front of me <laughs> uh, and looking down upon me. But, uh, Tower, towering but look over at, us. You know, what they like about him is the guy can move his feet. Uh, he seems to have he seems to have a really good motor, from what I understand. You know what about him? By that is, you know, it means desire. Uh, he has a desire to finish people off. You know, when he blocks, etc. Yeah. You know, you sometimes believe it or not, that cannot be coached. You know, and uh, so then you look at, like you said, you have a little bit of a time. You have a little bit of time for some projects. You know, it's interesting because I don't want to segue this too much into this, but you know, I'm well, I'm curious about this Ohio State offensive line coming up this year. I mean, you know, you and I both though, one of the pearls mm-hmm. of the. 2019 recruiting class was Harry Miller. Yep. And uh, Josh Myers, of course, you know, some people thought he might be angling to, to leave, but he has opted to return yep. uh, for another season. But, you know, you're curious on what's going to happen, you know, there with, because Harry Miller, you know, when he got in there, he played extremely well this year from what I understood and from just watching him and at center I'm talking about. So yeah. what do you think is going to happen there? I mean, because I was thinking about that the other night when I was, asked by somebody to name some offensive line might be coming on like Matt Jones and guys like that. But, you know, Harry Miller slipped my mind only because he's a center and Josh Myers is the returning starting center, but they, uh, they may do some shuffling of the deck. What do you think is going to happen there? I, my guess, and this is, uh, you know, I, I didn't want to get too far ahead of it when Greg Stradrawa was talking uh, on media day out before the Fiesta Bowl, you know, about what he's going to do for 2020. But, the, the sense that I have is that you're, you you have a year of Josh Myers doing it at a really high level that unfortunately not enough people noticed when it came to awards bo- voting that will not, yeah. will not be a problem uh, this year where he'll go in and he'll be the preseason favorite for the Remington. And I, I would make a bold prediction right now that he'll win it. Cause I think, that, yeah. I think that he'll stay at center this year. Um, and we've seen this uh, play out several times when Ohio State really when Ohio State and Greg, Greg Strudrawa had this really rolling, where it's like okay, you have a veteran center, you know what you're going to get, all the responsibilities, the snapping is good, got the rapport with Justin Fields. I don't think you want to tinker with that. As good as Harry Miller is, you know he could be Ohio State's starting center, and if Josh Myers had left, 
you know, I don't think there would have been any concern about that. But you saw both Pat Elfline and Billy Price really play great at guard before making that move to center. I don't think there's any issue at all whatsoever with Harry Miller uh, playing guard and dealing with that responsibility and learning next to Josh Myers, and then it's his turn. They'll pass the baton for 2021. I, I think that's, you know, I, I'm sitting here right now. I, I expect that Harry Miller is going to be the starting left guard and replace Jonah Jackson. You just, to me, I don't think you you mess with what's working with Josh Myers there. Yeah. Uh, you I know, mean, you're, if yeah. you get into the you're season, about yeah, but, yeah. But I don't think there'd be any hiccups there. You know, you got a smooth transition. You let the guy do it, and uh, and then he might be a first-round pick, and then you pass it off to the next guy. He might be a first-round pick. Yeah, but you talk about it. You were talking about a starting offensive line next year of, of, of again, of Thayer Munford, uh, Mary, maybe Harry Miller, uh-huh. Josh Myers, uh, Wyatt Davis, and uh, Nicholas Petit-Frere. Yeah. That's I think that's, that's a pretty damn, good. That's a damn good group, and it, it should not be overlooked. You know, I told you in November that there were, you know, there was that talk with both Josh Myers and Wyatt Davis that those guys could potentially leave. You know, they had squashed it and were ready to shut that down by the time they got to the Fiesta Bowl. But that, you know, I didn't make that up. Those guys were playing at a level where it was a realistic conversation for both of them that they could try their luck at the next level. Now, the stock for Josh Myers is going to be dramatically different uh, if he wins the Remington and has two years of starting experience at center. Uh, he's an all Big Ten. Uh, he's, yeah. sort of, he's going to be one of these guys where, you know, it's always hard for me to evaluate the offensive lineman. It's hard for almost everyone who's voting for the awards. Josh Myers had no name recognition last August. Nobody knew who he was, how good he was going to be. But anybody who did watch that Ohio State offensive line knew he was playing at least at the, one of the highest levels at center in the Big Ten, if not the country. And there was no Agreed. no recognition for that. Well. Why is that? Because so many people just base it off the preseason hype and they never adjust. Same reason that Jeff Okuda didn't win the Thorpe Award. The name recognition, for whatever reason, was not quite the same as it was uh, for LSU. Now, that's that's an apples to oranges comparison of positions, but it, when Josh Myers is on every preseason All-America list in July and it's, to- right. and it's told to everybody that this is one of the best centers in the country, he's going to be a high draft pick, well, that's going to stick in their mind. So you get to the Remington, you know, voting in November. That's going to be a no-brainer. Everyone will just automatically put him on the ballot. Um, now he still has to go out and play really well, uh, and Ohio State will hold him to a high standard. Also, because Harry Miller will be right there pushing him, just in case if they need to make a change, they could do it. But I don't think they will. And I think it, that's why it was so huge when you're talking about that five-man unit, Tim. That that they got that center and the guard to come back, and Thayer Munford. If he's fully healthy, you've got an experienced, really talented, all those guys touted oh, yeah. recruits. That's you can't ask for a whole lot more if you're Justin Fields. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Master Teague the third, here he comes. <laughs> well, that's that makes it a lot easier if you have those those huge holes. You don't have to worry about making some of those things. Uh, yeah, know, for Marcus Crowley. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking Marcus. You know, I'm, I'm I'm curious. You know, like I said, I'm I'm curious to learn more and more about the severity. I mean, whether Marcus Crowley, I don't, you know, from what I'm hearing, he may not be, a, you know, available for the spring, at least in a full-time right. basis. So, you know, there's no need to rush it either, you know, because uh, running backs, you know, you don't want to put them in jeopardy. They don't need to face, let's put it that way, just to prove a point. But yeah. are you con- I'm, Tim, I'm, are you concerned about the running back position? No, I mean, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I'm, not that I haven't been honest with you, Boston. <laughs> 
But, uh, dude, I'm looking at this Ohio State offense for next year. I saw the I saw the progress that um, Justin Fields made as a passer as the year went on. Yeah. And I just look at the weapons that are going to be at his disposal disposal on the edges mm-hmm. and even at the hybrid back position, even though they don't really call it that anymore. I mean, there's, you know, who knows what the position really is anymore. Yeah. But uh, uh, they could play giddy up and augment with the running game again. I mean, they still have to have a power running game, a power running game presence, which Justin Fields can also help give you. And uh, they can do that with Master Teague the third. But I could see – it swing more of number wise, play wise, more toward 2018 than it was in 2019 from the standpoint of throwing the ball. Cause you know, you got Gary Wilson sitting there champing at the bit <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and you know, uh, Chris Olave, maybe the best receiver in the country is just pure make except for one play, which you, you know, he'll, re- He'll it'll haunt him the rest of his life, but you know what? He may make some plays this year that'll that'll uh, top those, you know, or, or or stomp that one out, so to speak, cancel it out. But uh, but then you see this influx coming of wide receivers, and you know, I I don't like Ryan Day says you exploit what you've got, right? Yeah. And uh, they've got the potential to be really a real giddy up over the top passing offense this year, and. Uh, you know, the curious thing is who's going to be that guy that replaces uh, K.J. Hill, that go-to guy on third down. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm as curious as you are to see that, but it could be one of these freshmen. You know, and, uh, you know, G. Scott is a guy that I'm really curious about, you know. And like I said, Jackson Smith Nigma, the kid from down here in Rockwall, Texas. I mean, there's a guy. We all know Julian Fleming and what he's all about. And, you know, I expect him, you know, sometimes it takes them longer than others to – convinced coach uh brian hardline they deserve to be on the field <laughs> in a more substantial way right yeah. but um we'll see where that goes you know but uh you're leaving I, you're leaving out I, your that's one, what, you're leaving out your what? one guy tim like you had an opportunity there to you're gonna miss jameson williams here yeah he might you know what i'm saying man no i know I mean, but I, like, that's the thing you start naming these guys off and you forget one yeah. and uh jameson williams i mean like I'm saying, they could put together a four by 100 relay team with these guys. They could, they could put together a basketball team with these guys, just fast break basketball that right. would, I mean, I'm, I'm not, that's not hyperbole. That is a truth. I mean, these guys can run, they're athletic, you know, Mookie Cooper. Oh my goodness. What are they going to do with that guy? You know, it's like, you know, the sky's the limit, even though he's a little guy. I mean, the sky's the limit on the possibilities of what they can do with this guy. You know, they could, get the jet sweep going again, things like this. I mean, there, there are all these possibilities and you know, they're ruminating about them as we speak. And, uh, uh, so I'm, I'm like you, I'm curious. Hey, real quick, before we get done here, uh, the other curious thing about this, what honestly is going to finish probably in a T47 composite ranking, probably what fifth, fourth, fifth, sixth yep. in this 2020 class. Uh, this, that sounds about right to you, right? Yep. I think, I don't know where they are right now. Uh, four or yeah. five. That's, you know, between one and f- one through five. I think you're really, you know, splitting hairs. That's if you're. It's after that where the drop off really starts following because, um, I yeah, don't, I don't know where you were. What your question was going to be before I interrupted you there, but I mean that's you have to be in that mix with Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, LSU. That's yeah. it. Those guys. Those Oklahoma is going to be in that mix around there a little bit as well. 
but it, you know that's where you have to be and i because somebody actually sent me an email the other day and they were like whoa it's is ohio state really keeping track if they're if they finished sixth and they were 14th a year ago and i was like well those numbers matter and they don't matter you have to look at the per player ranking especially for the 2019 class which would have been right. which would have been third uh, they just couldn't take as many players and that's sometimes that's the you know the trick when looking at those class oh, rankings yeah. but yeah as long as you're there like there's a difference between signing 25 players and finishing 10th and 25 players and finishing fifth you yeah. there's a big gap there but i don't think the gap is as wide between 1 and 5 Quality, quality, quality outranks quantity, as you're as you're basically trying to say, and that's yeah. uh, you know, and that's that's what we're seeing, you know, and but the, I mean, I'm just like, you know, it, let's face it, there was always going to be a speed bump, whether it was going to be large or small, with the transition from Urban Meyer to Ryan Day, people getting to know Ryan Day, now they know him. Uh, not only is he personable, not only is he intelligent, not only does he look like one of could be the third property brother on HGTV, <laughs> but the guy can coach his rear end off and basically took a team that most considered to be maybe the best overall team in the way it took care of business over the season, took them into the playoffs and got beat. And yeah, they got beat by Clemson. Some of it was controversial at the end. It was a lack of execution on a play, uh, you know, that uh, one guy read one thing and one guy read another, and that was the end of the season, you know. Yeah. But the bottom line is, he proved a lot of people not wrong. He, I, I think he reinforced himself a lot of people. Now, all of a sudden, you look where he's paying dividends is a 2021 class. Dude, they've already got, what, 10 commitments, yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah, to Mike. the 2021, 2021 class, and they're ranked number one by far in that group. Uh, and you just look at it, and the fun, the interesting thing, the numbers in that class are what are interesting to me, too, because – Six of the ten are from Ohio, so uh, yeah. everybody was on Ohio State the last several years for not recruiting Ohio. But now, instead of coming back to Ohio to fill some of the gaps, they went to the, they went the other direction, and they've uh, really gotten after the guys they want from Ohio to begin with, and it's paid dividends. Yeah, and Berm has written about this a number of times, and it's really it's kind of fascinating. The whole thing with recruiting is such uh, as as I alluded to earlier, it's such a difficult sort of balancing act with you know how do you approach that home state do you want to go national first and then like you alluded to come back and and hope that the ohio guys uh haven't moved on to take an offer from michigan state or the first team that shows them a lot of love and then they abandon their their dreams of playing for the home state buckeyes like that seemed to be the approach that urban meyer was taking towards the the latter part of his career at ohio state was going national first but they were then winding up missing on some guys at home and Ryan Day's yeah. kind of flipped that get the guys that you really want from Ohio build the class that way like just going to use Trey LaRue again since we talked about him so much in this show you know that guy if he gets an offer from Ohio State and commits he's not going anywhere you got him yeah okay yeah you yeah don't, you don't have to worry about it later now you go pursue the national guys that you want you know that you don't have to worry about filling it in later build the baseline and then expand it from there and that's it seems to be really working right now yeah, and then, you know, and the other thing about Trey LaRue is they clearly see they clearly see a huge, pardon the pun, upside with that guy. There is no doubt about it. I mean, uh, you know, but then you look at the 2021 class, and when you've got Jack Sawyer already committed, maybe 
he might end up being the best player in the country. Who knows? You know, when it finally comes down to it, you know, and then, you know, you got that offensive tackle from Richfield, uh, Ben Chrisman, you know, there's a, you talk about a, uh, another bookend kind of guy. I mean, two guys that could, could really anchor, uh, the lines, you know, when you, which, you know, people hear me talk about football all the time. That's what sets the great teams apart. That's, that's what I, where I look first to see if a team's going to be a contender, which is why, uh, I was I was a little bit the jury was out last year for me on Ohio State from an offensive line standpoint, but I kept hearing the insiders, you know, the guys inside the program saying that line is going to be better than it was a, the previous year. Turned out to be absolutely correct. Right. Uh, that was a hell of an offensive line. But when you when you can stake stake it and and have, and both of those guys are Ohio guys. I mean, that just you know kind of puts you in good stead. And the latest one here is you know Michael Hall Jr. He's an yeah. in-state guy. It's not. He's not a project either. He's a four-star. Uh, I think probably will will wind up on the interior of that defensive line and and have a big impact down the road. That's. I, I've been talking about that. The interior of that those defensive tackle spots. They had to make a mark. And Ryan Day targets an in-state guy. He also probably would have been. You know, Larry Johnson probably would have been enamored with him no matter what, given his stature yeah. and you know the four-star credibility and all that. But but he's local. He's a couple hours away. Probably always had that scarlet and gray in his room. Lock him down early. It's February, and he's and he's commit number ten. So that that accomplishes that checks a lot of boxes, right? Because it's still it's a high recruit. The star ranking yeah. goes up. The class fills out. But now you like you've already got a good group there at defense tackle, and pretty much everybody else that Berm says would be on Larry Johnson's board. They're scattered around the country. I think you got one in Washington and. Uh, you know, some in the southeast, like they're all over the country, but you've already built the defensive line group in Ohio. So, yeah, you, exactly. You know what you have, and then you can go fill in from there. Yeah, and you know, and then, and then getting the the tackle from down here in Texas, Donovan Jackson. You know, uh, yeah. you know, well, all they beat out was a bunch of heavyweights for him: Alabama, <laughs> Georgia, et cetera, Texas A and M. Right on down the line. But this it speaks volumes of where the Ohio State recruiting strength is right now. It's uh. It's about as strong, in my opinion, it is as strong as it's ever been, as I like to say, across the nation and around the world. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you know, I mean, and, you know, uh, Enoch Vimahi, you know, uh, the kid from uh, Hawaii, who is, I guess we're hearing is, you know, is, you know, was on the high state team this year, played a little, what played in three or four games, uh, taking uh, advantage of that uh, red shirt uh rule that lets you play a little bit, but you know, he's going to what we're hearing is going to forego his, his mission, his Mormon mission and pretty much play out his college football career. You know, those, those are just like these little things that just keep popping up. Like I was saying earlier last year before the season started, what, what sets Ohio state and Alabama and Clemson and some of these other schools apart are these guys who just are rising through the program that you forgot about or, you know, uh, they've been there for a couple of three years and suddenly now, like I wrote a story about Cameron Brown, you know, yep. he's been there for several years, but now all of a sudden he's going to be competing for one of those cornerback spots. And that's what sets these, these big time programs apart. They've got this quality that's been bubbling from below. That's one reason why I didn't talk about Ryan Watts or legend Cavazos when we were going through the early enrollees. I don't think that the secondary situation is nearly as dire as it's painted. And obviously the big part of that is that Sean Wade is back. I, I might 
might be singing a different tune if you didn't have one of the best cornerbacks in America returning for Ohio State. But you and I have both talked a ton about Josh Proctor. So if he's going in there to finally be that starting primary safety and he's used his experience, some of the good and some of the bad, to take the next yeah. step, the athleticism is obviously there. So you have those two guys to start with. And I, you wrote about Cam Brown. I like his potential. I think he can be a really good cornerback for Ohio State. There's you know, versatility with seven banks. He could be right there in the slot. Amir Reap is really, you know, I, at some point I've had to, you know, change my tune about how this guy could project and what he could do because a couple of years ago I would have thought, no way is he ever going to start or play significant minutes for Ohio State. But uh, he has he has developed, and it's not like he was a, a no-name recruit when Kerry Combs initially landed him. This guy was a four-star as well. So you have all these – four stars that have just had to wait behind NFL cornerbacks. I think between that group, you're going to find two really good corners who can complement Sean Wade, and I think they're going to be okay without having to really turn to these guys who haven't had to do it yet, like Watson Cavazos or Tyreek Johnson now heading into his third year with the program. They have options there, and I don't think that it's anywhere near as, uh, I don't know, thin or or, des- or desperate, yeah, or dire as, yeah. as, as it's been made out to Oh, be. I agree. Well, not only that, but, you know, as I pointed out in that story, a lot of those guys got to play a lot Absolutely last year. Did, yep. Got to like a, take a lot of steps. And, you know, we, you know, let's face it, when Sean Wade had his uh, injury problems there late in the year, uh, uh, you know, these guys got to play in, in, in key uh, critical situations. Yes. And, uh, and, and they played, like you said, you saw them play pretty well. You also saw them make some mistakes. Uh, that's the way. It, that's the way it goes. Uh, you roll the dice. You know, Josh Proctor had a couple of plays in that game against uh, Clemson. He'd like back. I am sure of that. Yeah. But uh, that's the way you learn. You know, and uh, you know, you're not in high school anymore, so to speak. So, anyway, hey, you know, I'll be back next week alive. I hope in the uh, at the uh, world headquarters of Letterman Row as we uh, tackle some new things, some other things, including I want to get into more into the off season program. We'll talk to a couple of experts there about what's going on with the offseason program and, mm-hmm. and how that transforms these players from what from who you saw walking off the field, let's say in the Michigan game, after the Michigan game, you know, because there's a lot of work that gets done during December. But in the guy that'll be walking out oh, yeah. uh, to start the spring ball, it's funny how these guys go through these transformations, right? <laughs> it's pretty wild to look at, you know, they take those before and after pictures when they get where they arrive on campus, and even really every offseason, they're showing the growth. And you yeah. look at the way, I mean, another guy that we've talked just mentioned, like Josh Proctor, and you look at him, and you're like, wow, he looks like he's he could be in a, a starter right now when he walks on campus. And then you compare it two years later, and you're like, oh my God, like, yeah, they've oh built, yeah, they've yeah. built a monster. Like, even these guys who come <laughs> looking physically ready, like a Paris Johnson, you give Mickey Marotti eight months or 18 months or 28 months. They're going to do some transformation. Yeah, you know, Mick and Roddy ought to – I remember when I was growing up, Charles Atlas, you know, would have these uh, ads on the back of comic books and stuff, you know. Don't be a <laughs> don't be a, a peewee, you know. Be a tough guy. Be a strong guy like Charles Atlas, you know. And, uh, and I, I actually ordered one of those kits one time. didn't do me any good. But uh, uh, I guess you have to actually do the work. You don't just read the book and become, you know, that guy. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, That's the uh, Mick and Roddy – the Mickey Marotti, he ought to be, 
you know, when he, if he ever decides to retire, he ought to, you know, he ought to put a lot of that into words because, uh, you know, the funny thing about strength coaching in, in the college ranks is as much as they have a seminar or two every year, they also like to keep a lot of stuff to themselves, you know, <laughs> because you're, you're only helping the opposition if you spread the word, so to speak. But, uh, yes, uh, that, that will, I'm, so I'm looking forward to talking about that next week, but you know what? We need to break now and uh, get get along with life. But uh, until next week, Boston, I really appreciate you joining me again, my man, and uh, helping me in this tough circumstance. But uh, until next week when we meet again, this is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast. We'll see you then. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.